in the Houdini gospel, because there's all this emphasis on the fact that, hey, once you die, you can get out of here. You can go to heaven. You can go be with God. Um, it commonly implies that matter or physical things, our bodies, are bad. But it's our spirit. It's stuff that's not material. That's what's really good. That's what's eternal. And so matter, this is not eternal. This is not that important. In fact, it's kind of bad. Have you ever heard the phrase that our bodies are prisons? Or we're trapped inside of our bodies? You've heard the Houdini gospel. That what God created, which he says was good, is really bad. We want to get out of these bodies. We want to live forever without the bodies, without the earth around us. So we want to escape. The last one, it places a lot of hope on the afterlife. Um, and, and really it emphasizes or de-emphasizes the present. So what we're doing now is really just a training ground. Have you ever heard that phrase? What we're doing now doesn't really matter. We're just kind of waiting it out until we get to what really matters, which is a life without bodies in heaven away from this earth. Now, if you have your Bibles, open it up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at um, what we might call the biblical gospel. What is the gospel? What's the good news? That's what that word means, gospel. What is the good news according to the Bible? Watch what happens when the biblical gospel comes in. Bam. And everything needs to turn red because it's incorrect. Mark chapter 1. We're going to see what Jesus says the gospel is, which is probably a good way to define it. What does Jesus say the gospel is? Mark 1, verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news. There's good news. Here's what he said. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand Repent and believe in the gospel. He says, I've got good news. God has good news for us. And it's the fact that his kingdom is here. Now, trying to understand this phrase, kingdom of God, is like trying to understand um, some phrase that's really loaded and that has a huge story behind it without the story. So here's the example I'd give you. If I came to you this morning and told you, Sam and Frodo have reached Mount Doom. Who here knows exactly what I'm talking about? The rest of you, why? Why are you, why are you, why are you here? You need to go home and watch the movie. We're talking about the Lord of the Rings, okay? So Sam and Frodo have a mission. They get to Mount Doom. And when you hear that message, you have a huge story behind you. Now, without the big story, you could kind of deduce certain truths. There's a guy named Sam. There's a guy named Frodo. Weird name, but that's the guy. They reach a mountain. Okay, so they're going uphill. Maybe they're running from something. Maybe they're going to something. But if you know the story, you're going... We know what that means. We know what we're expecting to happen. We know what obstacles they've overcome to get there. Sam and Frodo have reached Mount Doom. And so when Jesus comes in first century Judaism, and he says the kingdom of God is here, everybody knew what he was talking about. You see, the Jewish people, they believed that God had chosen them to bring salvation to the world. Through you and your people, I will bless all nations, Genesis 12.3. But they had been oppressed and oppressed and oppressed and oppressed and it seemed like God wasn't in control. But they, through prayers and songs and stories and prophecies, had this hope that a day would be coming in that day, the day of the Lord. A day would be coming when God showed up and said, I'm taking this back. This is mine. I'm setting up a kingdom. I'm becoming king again. There's a new person in charge and things are going to be run a little bit differently Jesus shows up and he says the gospel 
it's not good news of escape. We might say it's, it's the good news of a new king. But there's someone new in charge. And things will be run differently than they used to be. And so Jesus went around during his life and he healed people and he forgave people and he spoke about the kingdom that was to come. And then if you go to the end of the Gospels, um, here's what's really interesting. Jesus dies, he raises again, and the Gospels end with no mention of what would happen to people after they die. It seems like the people who wrote the Gospels didn't think that was actually what the resurrection was about at all. You can check me on this. It's not there at the end of the Gospels. But in Matthew 28, Jesus rises and he goes to disciples and he says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Translation, king's here. I've got the power. I'm in charge now. And then go, 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 go. You've got a job to do. Flip back in your Bibles just a little bit to Matthew chapter 6. We'll let Jesus again sort of define what this kingdom looks like, what it means. Matthew chapter 6. You should start to see there's, there's kind of a different trajectory here. It's not good news of escape, at least according to Jesus. According to Jesus, the good news is things are going to change here. The king is here. And the world's going to be run a little bit differently. In Matthew chapter 6, that's going to influence the rest of this. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Look in verse 9 here. And he says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, this doesn't sound like the plan was just to get rid of earth and to suck us away into heaven. This sounds like almost the exact opposite. We might say heaven is now coming to earth. If heaven is where God rules, where he is, where his will happens, Jesus comes and he acts it out and he dies and raises again and he tells his disciples his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you keep reading Matthew 6, we can flip to verse 33. He's, he's giving his disciples instructions. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says, your one priority, your one mission in life should be to make sure that Jesus, his kingdom, his reign is observed. The good news, the biblical gospel, there's a new king, and things are going to change. There's a new king, and, and things are going to change. I don't know if you saw this. I just saw this yesterday. There's a school, not too, too um, long ago, recently, uh, who's, who had a teacher get busted big time. Um, and so I'm, this is my first full year teaching, so I'm really interested in what's happening to teachers um, around the world. Um, and this, this guy got caught. He was videotaped. And he was teaching a special needs classroom. Um, so kids with special needs, if you know anything about me, you know I have a history with kids with special needs. I love them to death. I love working with them. And he was caught on tape um, bullying a kid with special needs. Um, and it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, he's cussing at this kid. He's yelling at this kid. He's threatening this kid. And they go back and forth. The kid's like, don't call me special. And he's like, Jimmy, just completely letting loose on this kid. He's threatening him to beat him up. And he gets, he gets caught on tape. And so, of course, what happens is they go, you're, you're not allowed in that classroom anymore. But here's what didn't happen. I mean, follow me on this. What didn't happen is they didn't take the students out of the classroom. And they didn't say, you know what, this whole school thing wasn't a great idea. 
you shouldn't have been in school, we shouldn't have had a teacher here, the classroom environment doesn't work very well, let's just take you out and end all of this. In fact, let's leave that teacher in the room and just kind of forget that that room ever happened. No, what the school has done and is going to do is they're going to take that teacher out of the room and a new teacher is going to come in. And this teacher is going to run things a little bit differently. In fact, he's going to work against maybe some of the things that the old teacher did and said to these students. He's going to bring love and healing and support. He's going to create a safe environment for the students. Why? Because there's a a new person in charge. Things are going to be run differently. The way that the school had wanted things to happen in an environment where kids with special needs could learn and be loved and grow and develop. Well, all of a sudden now those purposes are going to be fulfilled because there's new leadership. Jesus comes and says, hey, there's a a new king in town, and things are going to change. Now, this should affect how we see matter, how we see spirits, and affect the the common view that the matter is bad and, and spirit is good. You see, God is not going to, at one point in time, call his creation good. If you go back to Genesis 1, um, he creates physical things, he creates the earth, all of it, and he says, it is good. Tov is the Hebrew word. Say that with me. Tov. It is good. And then he goes, it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. And it's very good. It's tov meod. And so the, the picture you would imagine we would get in the scriptures is that God's going to come back to creation and redeem it. Not get rid of it. And in fact, that's what happens. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that what happened to Jesus, his resurrection, is the prototype. It's the first fruits. It's the example for what will happen to his people. If you remember, Jesus in the Gospels, when he's resurrected, has a body. That's weird. You can touch him. Now, it's a different body, for sure, but he has one. And Paul says, that's the model. That's what God's doing to creation. He's making it new. Go to Philippians 3.20. I want to show you another little passage here. Philippians 3, verse 20. If you hit Colossians, you've gone too far. In Galatians, you need to go one more. Philippians 3.20. Paul says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now we'll get to that first part of the verse, but for now notice Jesus is coming back and he's going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. This is not escape, it's transformation. This is not evacuation, this is redemption. We might say the biblical gospel changes that phrase and says this instead. It understands that all of God's creation was good and will be redeemed and renewed. But you say, what about this first part of the verse here? Our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven. Mr. Skinner, you didn't think this through very well. Paul says right here, where you belong, where you should live, is in heaven. You don't belong on the earth. This is not your home. Surely we've heard that in all kinds of songs and all kinds of teaching. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. Well, let's unpack this verse for just a second, okay? Um, this letter was written to the Philippians. This is a city in Rome, in the Roman Empire, the city of Philippi, and they were a Roman colony. 
And what would happen, um, the Roman Empire, they would uh, take over these cities, right? And, and they would want to make them Roman cities. But you can't just tell people, you're Romans, act like Romans. Here's what you would do. You would send Roman citizens to go live in that city, to go live in the colony. You would colonize that city. And those people, citizens of Rome, would go to Philippi. And they would bring Roman art and Roman literature and Roman relationships and Roman law and Roman philosophy and Roman worship. And they would go colonize. They would make Philippi a Roman city by living there and bringing all the qualities of Rome to that city. Now the point is not that one day they're going to go back to Rome. That's the exact opposite. The Philippians, they were a very proud city. Why? Because they were a Roman colony. They were once not a part of Rome, but Rome got control and then allowed them to become a Roman colony. The point was never for these citizens to go back to Rome. The point of being a citizen of Rome was that you can then make Philippi a Roman city. And that should be the lens that we read this phrase in. He says, you are a citizen of heaven. You're to bring heaven to Philippi. You're to bring heaven to Sugarland. You're to bring heaven to Fort Bend Christian. The kingdom is here. Just like the Philippian citizens would have known what that means. You bring Roman art, Roman literature, Roman philosophy. So now we bring the things of heaven to the places where we live. Why? Because there's a new king in town and he's changing the world. There's new leadership. There's a new way of running things. Okay, last thing we'll look at. Go to Revelation chapter 21. We'll look at the end of the story. Revelation chapter 21. What is eternity going to be like? What's the last chapter here? Surely earth will be destroyed. Surely we will be sucked away to live in heaven with our spirits. Revelation 21 verse 1. This is John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and the death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Here's the final picture, according to John. Heaven and earth are renewed. They're made new. And then heaven comes down like a bride for her groom. A man and a wife meant to be one. Heaven and earth joined together for all of eternity. And then in that picture, what do we have? Well, we have no death and no mourning and no no tears, no, no crying. Why? Because God's will is now being done on the new heavens and the new earth. We might change this last little phrase here. The biblical gospel places hope in the presence and the mission of God, which then leads into God's future. Here's what happens when we Um, believe the Houdini gospel. It's all about us escaping. It's all about us us running away from earth into heaven. Um, One, it tends to lead to just a miserable life right now. Because if it's really all about what happens after we die, 
then we might as well do whatever we need to do right now, whether that's seek after our pleasure, our desires. Really, all we need to worry about is checking off whatever we need to to make sure we go to heaven after we die. So for some, that's a prayer. For some, that's a certificate that someone gave them. For some, that's a long list of rules. Don't see this movie, don't watch this music, or don't watch this, don't listen to this music, all these different things. But that's really all we need to do. We just need to check off those certain things so that we can go to heaven after we die. But in the biblical gospel, right now, Jesus is in control. And he has a group of people sent to colonize the world, to bring heaven, God's will, God's reign, right where we are in your heart, in your mind, in your homes, at your school, in your city, in your nation, in the world. Citizens of heaven. The gospel call as it went out back in Mark 1, the announcement, the good news of a king, did one of two things. It invited people or it warned them. The invitation was, if you'd like to submit to this new king you can discover what life is like under him. A life of peace and joy and victory, fruitfulness. But as anybody who's ever lived during a regime shift knows, if you don't submit, there's a warning to be heard. Because the king's in charge. And those who fight against him will eventually be put down. Jesus shows up and he says, I've got good news The good news of God, all that we had waited for and hoped for, is here and is happening. Why? Because his king has arrived, and things are going to change. And a project is launched to bring heaven to earth that starts with Jesus' ministry and ends in Revelation 21. And who are you and I? Well, we're the citizens of heaven, bringing the glory and the worship and the praise and the obedience of our God to where we live and where we work and where we go to school. My prayer is that you and I would be able to see with our eyes and believe in our hearts and live out with our actions the reality of the kingdom. That we would not just check off whatever boxes we need to in order to to get to heaven after we die, but we'd realize right now is important. Right now is what we're called to do colonize, to obey, to find out what life looks like under this new king. I think of the depths of of all of our hearts and our souls, we all need good news. We all need good news that, that we don't have to be in charge, that our decisions don't have to be final, and neither do the decisions of the people around us, that our fate is not ultimately in our own hands. But there's a king who has come and who reigns right now, who now, just as back then, says you're invited or you're warned. The kingdom is here. All authority has been given to me. Go, go, go. The good news according to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the scriptures that you've given us. Thank you for the patience that you show with us for us to search out your word, for us to talk and discuss and pray together um, to see how you would have us live, how you would have us worship, how you would have us believe. Father, we ask that you would 
powerfully come into our lives and into our school and into our community and into our world, that you would continue your kingdom work of transformation and that one day we'd be able to rejoice with the rest of the saints and the new heavens and the new earth that you have created. We love you. We need you. Be with us. Keep us safe over the break. It's in your son's name that all God's people said. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.